Shalom and welcome to the Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations weekly Torah commentary series. I'm Rabbi Russ Resnick and this week we are discussing Parashat Vayakhel Pekudeh, which begins at Exodus 35.1. I don't believe in organized religion. That's a common response when we try to talk about faith with someone who's unaffiliated. If I'm talking with someone about Messianic Judaism in particular, I might respond, don't worry, we're not that organized. This rejection of organized religion usually rests on the assumption that faith and spirituality are and should be intensely personal, that it's up to each person to discover his or her own way to worship, and that all these matters are best kept private. But what we see in Exodus, the Torah's preeminent book of worship, would seem to be the exact opposite. Worship in Hebrew is avodah, which is also the word for service or labor. Israel has served Pharaoh, and now they will serve God. We might even say that Israel has worshipped Pharaoh. The verb is the same in Hebrew, and now they will worship God. They have devoted their time abilities and energies to the glory of Pharaoh, and now they must devote their time, abilities, and energies to the glory of God. Pharaoh, however, believes the people must serve him. So Hashem instructs Moses to tell him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. Here in three Hebrew words, we have the theme of the entire book of Exodus. Shalach ami vayavduni. Let my people go that they may serve or worship me. The first half of this phrase, shalach ami, let my people go, describes the first half of Exodus in which the God of Israel forces Pharaoh to release his people. This half concludes with the arrival at Mount Sinai. The second half, vayavduni, that they may worship me, begins with the encounter at Sinai and details the building of the tabernacle where Israel will worship the Lord who dwells in their midst. At first, this part of Exodus looks like religion at its most organized. The instructions for worship, for building the tabernacle and all its equipment, and for inaugurating the priesthood are extensive. Nothing is left to human invention, as Hashem tells Moses, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle. And of all its furniture, so shall you make it. The structure of the narrative itself underscores the gravity and precision of making the tabernacle. Seven chapters, Exodus 25 through 31, are given to instructions for building, culminating with a reminder to keep Shabbat. Five chapters, Exodus 35 through 39, begin with another reminder about Shabbat and detail the assembly of the components of the tabernacle and the clothing of the priests. One final chapter, Exodus 40, portrays the actual construction. All this may seem like organized religion to the max until we hear the end of the story. So Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting, because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. 
Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. That's Exodus 40, 33 through 38, the conclusion of the book of Exodus. Now, note the poetry of these final verses. In each verse, the word cloud appears with the defining phrase, the cloud of the Lord, in the final verse. In addition, the phrase glory of the Lord appears twice for a total of seven mentions of the divine presence. Seven, of course, is the number of perfection. And the tabernacle is perfected only now as the glory cloud fills it. To underline this truth, the identical phrase, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, is stated twice. To understand true worship, we need to pay attention to one additional phrase here. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. No matter how organized the religion of Exodus may be, it is in the end mysterious. God reveals his ways and his instructions, but remains always beyond our understanding, always other and more than all we know and all we might experience. At the heart of true worship is always mystery, today as in the days of Moses. When I outlined, <clears throat> excuse me, when I outlined the final section of Exodus above, I left out three chapters, Exodus 32 through 34, which recount the worship of the golden calf and the restoration of the covenant afterward. Like its whole context, this section is also about worship and also in a way about organized religion. But it's organized by human design, not by divine revelation. We might call it religion that is managed in contrast with the religion that is mysterious. Worship of the golden calf is managed worship, a human initiative to resolve a pervasive human problem, uncertainty and the resultant fear. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. The calf reflects a human concept of deity and human creativity gone amuck as the people had broken loose. Its worship ends in chaos, but at heart it is managed, limited to human definitions and serving human desires. It lacks the mystery that defines true worship. Today we live in an increasingly man-made world, a world intent on elevating the human above the divine, on putting the divine at the service of the human. We live with values no longer based on we, but on I. As Rabbi Jonathan Sachs of blessed memory describes in his recent book, Morality, Restoring the Common Good, in divided times. The I-centered worldview that dominates today rejects what it calls organized religion in favor of a person-centered, self-exalting, private religion that can be 
customized according to individual needs and preferences. Religion as accessory. It's a lot more comfortable than the mysterious religion revealed in Scripture, but in the end it leaves us as solitary and isolated selves. The great project of worship in Exodus began with a command, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. The final scene of Exodus reminds us that even as God dwells in our midst, he remains always beyond us. Even as God dwells amid his people through the presence of Messiah Yeshua, our worship remains ultimately mysterious. For now, writes Paul, we see in a mirror dimly, <clears throat> but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. In the meantime, we embrace the mysterious, even as we worship the God who is present among us. This is Rabbi Russ Resnick signing off and wishing you an early Shabbat Shalom. For more commentaries like this one, visit umjc.org commentaries.